Hi, I'm Billy Shore. This is At Passion and Stir. It's our weekly podcast about food, about passion, and about making a difference in the world. And we are in Santa Rosa for the third year in a row for Chef Cycle. And we've got three people at this table um, who have ridden this year, in addition to myself and, and in addition to our first-time rider, Woody, our producer, Paul Whittle. Um, but glad to have all three of you. Uh, Jeff Johnson, you're, I'm guessing, maybe the most experienced rider at this table. Um, and so we're going to want to get your take on today. But uh, first, uh, we're going to want to hear a little bit about you after I introduce our other guests, but Jeff's with uh, Cathartis, a firm in, um, I think of it as in Boston and Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire, where you do a lot of your development work as a developer. And Elizabeth Faulkner, I'm so glad that you were on this ride. I've heard such a, so much about you for so long, and I know you're uh, not only a chef, but an author of uh, three cookbooks, I think, and I've heard that you've got a memoir coming okay. out. Yeah. When's that coming? I don't know yet. We're still looking for an editor. So do you know what it's going to be called? I call it Citizen Chef, not a piece of cake. Because, <laughs> awesome. you know, I used to have that bakery in San Francisco for a long time yep. called Citizen Cake. Right, right, right. Okay. Which Excellent. is also a restaurant, so. Um, well, great. Thanks for being with us. So happy to be here. Uh, Dusky Estes, we only go back, I don't know, 25 years or so because you worked at Share Strength and helped launch our, what's now called Cooking Matters, but it was our Operation Frontline program. And uh, somehow you got back into doing this ride. I you did. Live out here. <laughs> I live right in this town. And uh, Tanya Holland, who's not on the ride, who's a friend of mine, convinced me to do it. Yeah, and how did, how did she get out of it? <laughs> Tanya Holland was one of, the first people, one of the first chefs on this podcast. And I saw that she was riding, and I was very excited to see her, but she's not here. She hurt her knee. I, yeah, we were excited to be all, all on the same team, too. We were all going to be on the girls' team. But uh, anyway, next year. We'll get yeah. her next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, she set a bar for you, by the way. She was awesome. On the podcast. She was so, really good. Oh, really? She Did you is game? awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And what do you wrote for the first time? Very first time. My goodness. Excellent. Okay. And I know yesterday you actually wrote a song on the ride. No, I... Jeff and I got to hear, but maybe everybody, maybe all of our listeners will get to hear. Can you sing it? Let's say, oh, I, I co-opted a song. I, can, I took song. somebody else's song. It's actually one of my wife Rosemary's favorite songs. You're going to hear it in a minute. <laughs> we'll do it later. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. Uh, well, let's talk about how we all got to this table and got to Santa Rosa. Um, Jeff, I mentioned that you were like such an experienced writer. I know you've written the Pan Mass Challenge and You've done lots of other kind of community engagement things. How did you get attracted to this ride? Um, you know, it's really a signature rides out here. I mean, these are tour companies are out here. And when we had the chance to be in Napa and see, you know, kind of ride through the vineyards and got recruited by you. And um, it was kind of like, you know, why not? It was, uh, it was challenging, but at the same time, you know, you're feeding kids. You're... Uh, you're doing the right thing while you're uh, riding through the vineyard. So it's kind of what, what's not to like. Um, and we've got a lot of, like, mostly we have chefs here, but we've got a few uh, one-offs who are not chefs yeah. like you, like yeah. me, like Woody. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's fun to be around all these chefs as well. It's really cool. You know, a lot of them, a lot of the Boston chefs, certainly. Yeah. But it's, you know, you'll be riding next to somebody and you'll say, oh, oh, you're the L.A. burrito person. Or, you know, you've got the, you're in Brooklyn Heights and, you know, you're the, you've got the pizzeria. And so... 
I get to be around all these cool people and I'm not so cool, but I, I get to kind of <laughs> be aspirationally cool by being on this ride. And um, yeah, it's been a You're lot cool. of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't ask my kids. If Elizabeth, cool. says, if Elizabeth says you're cool, you're cool. That's better than your kids saying it. Um, Even I think kids, anybody who does this ride is cool. I think so too, right? It's pretty yeah. badass. I yeah. mean, it's... It's no joke. It's like, I'm like, why didn't somebody just say, let's do a hundred mile thing for chefs? Because that seems reasonable and still hard. Well, you know, if you did But let's do that three days in a row. Everybody that's, (laughs) if you did a hundred miles, everybody that supported your ride, donated to it and stuff, they would have thought that was the coolest thing in the world. They would have been like, oh my God, a hundred miles. And 300 miles just is, you know, it's. it's People go, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'll help you. Um, You sound like you might need all the help you can get. And you throw it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I was on the bike to accomplish that 100 yesterday from 7.30 a.m. until 6 p.m. Yeah, that's sure. a long time in the sun. That's a long that's, shift. That'll hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I beat you by five minutes. So I was very proud. And I feel like first-time riders, certainly when I did this five years ago for the first time, there's really no way to know what you're getting into, right? Like, people can describe yeah. it, but the hills... The elevation, the steepness of it, the the length of it. Today we had a rainy day. You know, we when we did this ride, the second year we did this ride, we rode through the Salinas Valley and it was 106 degrees and people were like dropping off and calling the bands. And today was for different reasons. It was at the other extreme, right? Yeah. It was cold and rainy and wet, and some people were dropping off. All right, we're gonna come back to ride in a minute, but before we do, uh, our listeners always want to know how people got to do what they're doing. So just to finish with you, Jeff, in terms of how you ended up being a developer, um, just talk about that, and then I want to get to um, Elizabeth and Dusky. Uh, like, did this, was that the, your, like from the very beginning? That's what you were going to. Yeah, do? I was an intern in in college for two years, and um, kind of screwed off until junior and senior year in college, and figured I should get an internship, and I ended up in an internship at a commercial real estate firm, and. My uncle had been in the business, and one thing led to another, and I just love development and kind of being involved in communities and community, like, construction and mixed use, and, yeah, I've been in it ever since. I mean, the one thing that I have the most firsthand familiarity with is Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which you've been a pretty key part of developing, and that, that there's a real community there that just didn't exist in the same way yeah. uh, before the development of the last 10 to 15 years. It's incredible the impact a developer can have on building community. Yeah, we really, uh, we've been there for 17 years, and I went to UNH, which is 10 minutes from there. So it was kind of fun to come back to the area and be part of this big, large development. And we've got some great restaurants in there, including Row 34, which is a great operator out of the Boston area, and, yeah. and brought four or five restaurants into our project. So it's been fun. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and Elizabeth, we'll know your whole story when the memoir comes out, Citizen Chef. <laughs> but before that, give us the shorthand version of how you ended up being a, a chef. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I I was born in San Francisco, but I grew up in Los Angeles, and then I moved to San Francisco in the late 80s uh, to finish college, and then I started cooking in 1990 because the I worked at the original Williams-Sonoma store while I was in college. So you did. The, the combination of art and then sort of all of this culinary stuff happening all around me, um, meaning like the food revolution of California and the change in agriculture and focus from all these amazing chefs, um, a lot of super super great female chefs in, of that time. All of them were so inspirational to me, and I just kind of, like, kept finding myself wanting to make more art and film stuff involving food, and then I kind of was like, I really, I probably should just start to cook. 
And then I ended up getting a job in a little French bistro and then got into fine dining pretty quickly. And were you self-taught or mentor? I mean, I'm sure mentored to a degree in terms of the other I've had lots of work, mentors but, over time. But um, you mostly you just kind of figured it out on your own when you first started cooking. I read a lot of those books at Wendy's Noma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my boss used to put me back in the kitchen and say, just make stuff, you're a really good cook. But anyway, um, and then I, I worked for Tracy Desjardins, who has obviously been a mentor my whole life, um, in the early 90s at Rubicon, and then, uh, um, well, at Elka, and then Rubicon, and then I... Uh, opened my own place in 97, and it was called Citizen Cake, and it was a pastry no. shop first because I felt like the Bay Area needed a really modern pastry shop. And then it became a restaurant and bar, and then had that for, I ran that for about 15 years, opened another restaurant and a little satellite cafe in between. And then um, after the stock market crashed in 2008, I was still holding on to the restaurant we had just opened, Orson, and the patisserie, but then our landlords doubled our rent, and we had to move again for the third time, and, and and the whole thing just became crazy expensive and was eating me alive. So um, I said, "Stop the boat!" Just like in Willy Wonka. Enough. <laughs> 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 and uh, and then I ended up just moving to the East Coast and sort of starting all over again. Yeah, yeah. And the original Williams Sonoma store. This was not like the Chuck Williams. Um, yes. So the little, the small little store on that, Sutter Street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the original one. Because we stopped there on our first year. They hosted a lunch for us at that spot. The first year that we were. Were you here. on Post Street downtown or? Oh no, I mean the one up here. There's, I mean the one in there's Sonoma. There's one on the square. Oh yeah, that I mean the one tiny one. little one oh, yeah. in Sonoma. Oh, so you mean the one in San Francisco? The original San Francisco one. Got it. Got it. Got it. Which is some other little cafe today. Yeah. Because they moved it to Post Street sometime in the, I don't know, in the eighties. Yeah. And Tracy Desjardins, who you mentioned, did this ride uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. The first oh, yeah, I tried to get her to do it ride. this year. And she Tracy and Mary Sue were like, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to be... Actually, they've been trying to ask me to do it for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and I was running marathon, ran the New York Marathon a couple of years ago, ran a, run a lot of half marathons. And I was like, I can't really do both. I just don't see... I don't know how I'm going to have the time to do all that. And um, but then after I ran three half marathons last year, my um, I went to a doctor and I was like, why is my left knee so swollen? And he's like, well, you don't really have much cartilage left. Maybe you should stop running so much. And I'm like, all right, I'll do chef cycle. <laughs> Finally. Compromise. Something easy. Yeah, easy. Easy. I need, I need a good goal like that. Challenging. Uh, Dusky, your formative years were a chair of strength, right? Yeah, I learned right. everything from you, Billy. Really. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we didn't know, when, when you worked with us, we didn't know that you were going to be a great chef, right? You just like were, you were hiding I was it. a line cook. You were a line cook. <laughs> I worked for Bob Kincaid. Yeah. Well, I went, uh, in college, I was supposed to first be a doctor, uh, because that's what you did in my family. Uh, I do, you grew know up, how, do you know how many chefs started out wanting to be doctors? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Woody and I, on this podcast, yeah. we've heard at least yeah. 20 chefs who was like, I was in I was pre-med, and I didn't really, yeah. whatever. I was in pre-med, uh, but first, I grew up in San Francisco at the time that Elizabeth was talking about, where chefs were putting farmers' names on menus, and... The way I saw my father every week, because my parents were divorced, was to eat out once a week for dinner. So he took you out every That was week. every week. He took me every Wednesday night. We went out to dinner. So I fell in love with all things restaurant as a kid in San Francisco, because that was like an exciting time in San Francisco. And really? uh, all these women chefs coming out, farms, like everyone mentioning farmers, you know, it was all about the farm. Uh, and so then I went to college. Thought I was pre-med, uh, then discovered that I had a, I didn't really enjoy looking at blood. 
So uh, if you <laughs> fall, like, don't ask me to help. <laughs> Wait, but what do you do now? And exactly. then now I'm a butcher. Yeah, now I'm a butcher. <laughs> but at any rate, didn't like blood, so I decided I would be pre-law. And I actually, at the time that I started working for you, I had an internship at the Public Defender in Washington, D.C. So I worked for you for money, and I did that for free. Uh, and very, very few people say they work at Sheriff's Strength for money. Thank you so much. Uh, and I decided uh, that I, lawyering was not my thing either. Uh, and I worked for Bob Kincaid. Yeah. He had 21 Federal. Yep. Yeah, and a then Kincaid. Really yeah. So I worked for Bob Kincaid. And then with you, I moved myself to Seattle yeah. to bring Operation Frontline to Seattle. Right. Describe what that is, Operation So Operation Frontline, which is now called Cooking Matters, right, yeah. uh, was a program. It was, I believe, SOS's first direct service program that chefs could get involved with rather than fundraising, uh, which we're all incredible at fundraising, but actually feeling like you're touching people in need and making a difference is a, is a very different feeling. And uh, so you all developed a program that at the time was called Operation Frontline, which was a six-week class on how to cook a nutritious meal on a tight budget. Uh, we taught how to butcher chicken. We taught how to shop. Uh, and it was, directly with low-income families. Yeah, we worked at uh, transitional housing, uh, WIC centers. So I would organize the cooking classes. I would get two chefs to commit to two hours a week for six weeks. And... Uh, we launched it, and we trained 10 different people to do it in 10 cities at the time that I worked for you. And then I, I said to you all that I wanted to move back west, where my family was, uh, but I chose Washington State, which so I'd be close but not too close. <laughs> and, uh, and Tom Douglas, who's a crazy awesome chef there, was yeah. on my board, helped me, helped me get chefs involved with Share Our Strength. Uh, we launched the program there, uh, so I worked for you all for Operation Frontline for three years, and then working for Tom, I became his chef of a restaurant he has called Palace Kitchen, and but I then organized the Taste of the Nation events in both Seattle and Redmond. Okay, that's uh, our food and wine benefit. Yeah, it raises money for our, our anti-hunger work. So I did that for five years, organizing all the chefs because they were all my buddies from Operation Frontline. So uh, that's my, my long love of Share Our Strength. Uh, but then when I left Tom, I moved here, of all random things, with my husband, who also worked for Tom. Are you right in Santa Rosa? And we, well, so we opened a, we have a, we had a restaurant until two months ago, which flooded and we lost it. But so we had a restaurant, a meat company, and a farm. So we still have our meat company, which is called Black Pig, and we make bacon from pigs raised on pasture. So good. And, uh... We have a food truck, and we have our farm where we raise rabbits, goats, sheep, pigs, chickens, ducks, uh, and they all live on pasture. How many animals? We have, uh, depending on time of year, and depending on you know how busy or free my husband is, <laughs> between 50 and 100 animals. That's just the two of you? Yep, and our two kids. That sounds like a lot of work. How old are your kids? They are 16 and 18. Okay. Well, that's ordered. <laughs> yep. Um, and this is full circle. I can't believe I'm. I can't believe I'm doing this with you right now. I know this is. Great. <laughs> and, just, and just because we're right. in Santa Rosa, uh, I asked you before you mentioned that you'd lost your iPhone in the flood. That I think like you'd fallen in the water yep. or something. It sounded terrifying, and I just wanted to, you know, just give us a sense of 
how scary was the flood here? It was, well, it's been kind of a crazy time. The first day of the ride, I don't know if you, uh, I'm sure you noticed, we were driving right through one of the really intense fire zones. Yeah. Uh, so right. all the burned trees were still there and all the lots uh, and some people rebuilding and a lot of lots for sale. So uh, Santa Rosa already took a huge hit that it's recovering from. And then this, in this February, we had a huge flood. Uh, we had 22 inches of water in our restaurant, uh, and everything had to, to be ripped up. We, we showed up at the restaurant uh, at 6 a.m., and we tried to install these flood prevention things uh, that, that didn't work. <laughs> um, clearly, didn't work. And, yeah, I ha we were there kind of like today, all day wet <laughs> um, uh, from 6 a.m. until uh, probably we, we stayed up all night trying to pump and add propane to a pump, and we were kayaking in and out. And it was, it was yep. Wow, crazy. I, wow. Yeah. It's, I have a lot of trauma from it. You have to. I'm sure a lot of your neighbors, right, and friends also were. Impacted. Yeah, that, it was a, where the flood took place in Sebastopol was a 12-acre property of Maker's. So I, I don't know how many businesses are in the Barlow, maybe 25. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people impacted who are makers, which are, are my kind of people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about the ride itself. Um, so Elizabeth, first time rider for Chef Cycle. Mm -hmm. I always find it hard to put into words for people what the ride is like because you know when, when you're in it, it feels momentous. And one of the things I love about it is even just the last two days, having done this ride five times now, the last two days felt completely new and different to me from anything I'd experienced. It was mm. like I was excited, as excited as I was the first time. And, you know, yesterday was like one long day with some really steep hills. Today was a very wet and cold day. Um, but paint us a picture for what it was like for you and just like what you saw and felt and what, what well, I mean, experience was. Yesterday, the first day was, I just had a blast. I like, um, I hadn't, I've never rode 100 miles until yesterday. Um, and What's the farthest you'd ridden? 65. 65, okay. And, uh, I don't train more than, I don't want to do the ride twice, right? It's so. not that I didn't want to do it, I just, honestly, I really just haven't had time to get yeah. to that point, but I've been riding, you know, days in a row, and I exercise them a lot, and do a lot of strength and mobility training, too, um, and yoga and all the stuff that helps you, heals you. But yesterday was, honestly, it was just a blast. I, um, you know, met some different people along the way, saw Dusky at the beginning. I really tackled that first hill um, aggressively and felt really good about it, and it didn't didn't burn me out. I was, But we were really pacing ourselves, like... And the first hill came fast, right? Came like fast, was... but then it was sort of like, okay, well, then that's those are done. So then the rest of it felt pretty smooth, except for it's really gravelly, and some of the roads are pretty rough. So I, I felt more of the the jarring on my upper body than the, my leg strength. And then, um, but then today, and so I was really jacked up and excited this morning, even though it was raining and it was kind of like, oh, I don't really ride, I don't really have experience riding in the rain. And, uh, and then we get out there and I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> so, um, I don't still have, I don't have a love for riding in the rain. It's the first time it's ever happened to us. So we've never had rain. And it's a, it's a different experience. And but I did now that I know, because I was wearing my shower cap provided by my room from the Flamingo Hotel. <laughs> oh, <what a> <laughs> my Why did I think that? I took the, uh, the plastic bag for your dirty pool towels right. and made a 
makeshift sort of, you know, cover jacket over everything else out of the... Because I've done that in marathon running. You yeah. know, you put a plastic Garbage bag over and you can throw yeah. it away later. And, um, but there was no throwing that away and it wasn't really helping and my shoe, my feet were soaked and I hate getting cold. I hate getting cold. Yeah. Um, fingers and I couldn't, I was like trying to find my left break half and I was like, it's, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta push the button. And, uh, but I was like, I can't feel my fingers. This is dangerous. So, um, so I went out afterwards uh, with Rebecca, who's a also uh, riding for the first time from Canada. I love that there's some Canadians here riding the riding in this. Um, you know, for American kids. Yeah. And um, so anyway, we went out to the store and bought like you know, what's it called? The wetsuit material. Neoprene. Neoprene, neoprene uh, gloves. Yeah. And oh, smart. Extra layer of. Um, waterproof jacket and uh, I don't know what the boot covers. Okay, you're ready. Yes, we're ready for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it's raining on our roof right now. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's not letting up. Tomorrow we have another day of rain. And did you ever have uh, any doubt at all yesterday on the long day with the hills that you were going to finish the ride? It sounds like you had a great mental attitude going into it. I didn't doubt that I would finish it. Okay. No, I didn't have any um, like, oh, I want to stop. No, I've been, I have been getting ready for it, and I, I looked at the elevations on the trails and stuff, and um, I aggressively trained on hills in Southern California before I came here. Well, we, have, we have markers that mark the, the route every 10 miles, you know, it says, you know, 10 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles, and I am filled with doubt the entire ride until I see one of those, and then I think, like, okay, well, I made 10 miles, maybe I'll get to the next marker, so, yeah. I, do you think I it's, sometimes it's psychological, because if you oh, read those markers, yeah. you're yeah. like, okay, I only have, like, right. 10 more of those, yeah. or 9 more of those, no, or whatever. I, yeah. I, I live for those. Um, the countdown. But when you hit seven, <laughs> yesterday when we hit seventy, I was like, "Oh no, I have thirty more to right. go." Exactly. <laughs> I was like, "No." Um, so wait, you're also a first time rider. What was it like for you? Well, not only a first time rider, Chef Cycle, really kind of a first time rider. I literally went out and bought a bike four weeks ago, and had all this good intentions to you know, ride miles and train. And uh, I did what I could, but life intervenes and I didn't get the training I wanted to. So like the longest I rode before uh, this was 45 miles. And uh, yesterday I rode a hundred. So that's pretty cool. What did it feel like out there? Well, you know, I had all this advice from people who have actually done this before, uh, some good friends of ours. And and one thing I was told when I went out on a training ride with Kathy Townsend, who was an early part of Share Our Strength, uh, she said, you know, find a level road. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, you have to shift constantly, right? Because you can shift. You just push that button. And even though you're going up an incline, it's going to feel like you're on a level road. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. But then I was like on this long journey and I'm like all alone because I was way in the back, you know, and I'm like hitting the button and it's like, well, this is pretty interesting. As long as it's not too steep of an incline, I can level this playing field out. And it got me to thinking about hungry kids, right? You know, they've, they've got a tough road. <laughs> ahead of them, you know. My dad used to say he'd go to school uphill both ways. I think for hungry kids, it was it's like that because you go to school hungry and you're going back to a place where there's no food and there's no button they can push to level the road out. They don't have that ability. 
except for what we're trying to do right here. You know, we feed those hungry kids. We can level their playing field. So that was like one of my That's big takeaways important. from yeah. the from the ride. Yeah. So Jeff, you ride with a pack that is, you know, like they really roar out when they go. Um, and I, I mean, I've never experienced like that. But you guys, it seems like you ride almost in a peloton, right? There's a, I mean, folks are in a pretty tight line, and that's helping you ride even faster. Probably. I'm usually at the back of the peloton. Yeah. We call that tire sucking. Tire sucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tire sucker for younger bodies than me. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a combination. I did a lot of that yesterday. I also did some miles on my own because I got out of a, a, a stop quicker than I wanted to and because I got, you know, today was like a little cold, so I wanted to get out and did a bunch of riding on my own. And then, you know, coming in for the last th 30 miles yesterday, it was just me and this guy, Tim, from Smithfield, and we were just trading off. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of the analogy of the share of strength. Like, buddy, you take it for three miles, you know, keep it at 20, yeah, 20 yeah, miles yeah, an hour, yeah, and, you know, yeah, like yeah exactly. Right? So and, we just, and all of a sudden, you know, you see them, you click off the miles like that, and it's just... It's a really great feeling, yeah. And plus, you're you're going through vineyards, and you're. I mean, it was just a pretty magical day. Yeah. Yesterday. Well, one of the yeah. things I like about the ride and always have is that there are all these different levels of riders, but they're all kind of yeah. you go with all the diversity. Everybody's kind of here for the cause that you were just describing, Woody, which is for kids. And so you have riders that are you know competitors, elite riders, yeah. um, and then you're first time riders, and everybody's very supportive of each other, sharing yeah. tips. Sometimes coming back to help people get up a hill. Very encouraging. The whole crew, yeah. and it doesn't really matter what level of rider you are. Everybody's here to just see finish. You know, it's not a race, and um, it's a really great community. That you know, the intersection of the cycling community and the chef community is like I think that's the special sauce. You know, no pun intended. Yeah. But it's between those two, you just have this great opportunity to to be in this great place with a lot of cool people. It's good. I mean, we just kind of I guess stumbled across the fact five years ago that there were so many chefs who were riders, yeah. you know, who were kind of like serious competitive riders. And that's where this started and a lot of other folks came into it. But Here. when I was sitting in the hot tub today, I have to tell you what the stories that I heard. <laughs> hot tub stories. <laughs> yeah. After the ride, the hot tub story was like this. It was about all these chefs who had never really ridden before. Yeah. Yeah. But this event has changed their lives mm -hmm. like they have dropped 150 to 200 pounds and they eat differently and they focus their cooking differently like it was pretty interesting to to me it's my first time doing it uh i was a vegetarian for 23 years before becoming a butcher <laughs> but so i went this way right <laughs> but um it, it's pretty interesting to see how the ride also it's not just that you got the chefs who were cyclists. You are making cy cyclists yeah. Yeah. out of the chefs. chefs. I think that's, that's right. I think that's that's right. Yeah. You know, and one of the things we would love to do is to be at least one organization that is trying to help chefs get even healthier, mm -hmm. particularly as there as so many chefs are helping others, you know, and are helping people who are vulnerable and, you know, maybe not in good health, uh, or certainly in the case of Share Our Strength, people who are low income and don't have the means to think that we could also help them so that they could help other people even more uh, by getting healthier, I think is, you know, also a way of thinking full circle about Chef Cycle. Yeah. And this year's effort, I think there was some effort, maybe just by Tanya Holland, I don't know, to get more women involved. Yeah. And so um, that's how, that's how I ended up being here and 
calling every woman chef I knew to, to join us. But so with us on this ride is Dominica from Catelli's, which is a local restaurant, and Liza from Spinster Sister. And all of us said yes because we're really good at saying yes when it involves helping somebody else. And we never do anything for ourselves. And so this was a win-win, right? Like we're gaining, getting stronger. Just remember this is abusive to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm so kidding. proud. Like in January, I hadn't ridden a bike for 30 years. Yeah. I did 100 miles yesterday. So do you... Did you have to go out and get a bike, or do you have an old bike that you got fixed up? Uh, the bike store in town that it, that is the representative bike store that we went through was one of the rest stops today. Oh, Windsor, Windsor Bike. Windsor Bike, yeah. Uh, I went in there with my Univega, but the last time I rode it was when I worked for you in 95. <laughs> I took it in with my Univega that I, I rode in college and, and in D.C., and... Uh, I said, hey, can you get this thing up and running? Like, it had been in our shed, and, like, it was rusty, and the seat was ripped apart from rats eating it. <laughs> like, this is farm living, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so I was like, can you make this thing work again? And they looked at me, and they were like, listen, lady, <laughs> you need to buy yourself a new bike. <laughs> and they got me up and running. What'd you get? Uh, I got a giant bike, a live. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, I made it through the 100 miles yesterday yeah. <laughs> and the 56 today. <laughs> and, so, and so tell us a little bit, you know, separate from the hot tub, what was the ride itself like for you? <laughs> um, I would say I'm, I, I was determined to accomplish yesterday because I knew the rain was coming. And uh, I was a coxswain in college, and all the rowers who rode for me in college are now avid cyclists. Mm. And one of them, about a month ago, who he rides 300 miles like every other week. Like he's he's avid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, he took a spill on a wet road and he broke three ribs and a collarbone. And uh, I was very <laughs> petrified when I heard the weather report for today. I was kind of not sure whether I should hit the road today or not. And of course, I didn't, because we started so early this morning, I sent him a text this morning saying, any advice, because I'm going on the rain, you know, going out in the rain today, and I'm scared because of you. And I didn't read his text because I was busy writing. <laughs> but his response was, don't ride on the, on the painted lines. Yes, that's what I heard, too. But I did ride on the painted lines all day today because I thought that those were safe. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me too. I thought that there was like no water there. <laughs> so somebody said they get like as slick as glass. Right? Everyone said to me. So I did the completely worst thing possible, but I lived to tell. <laughs> well, there is something about this group that's that is, uh, and I guess you know, if you pull together any successful group of people, which primarily this is, there is this. Uh, sense of like I'm going to finish what I started. Right? There's a sense of persistence. And I think that chefs are just really strong-willed people and maybe all the people in the community of chefs too when i mean when i say chefs i mean everybody kind of around that world it's just exactly because you have to be to you got to get stuff done i mean there's no quitting there's no no stopping there's no in you know i'm oh, sorry we're not doing a show today i mean just it's it's not really possible so i think that that drive is what requires a certain kind of personality and um and I think that carries over into, it can carry over into a, a lot of athletic events, too. And I, I hope that actually, I think it's really inspiring. 
especially for younger cooks coming up, because I feel like the messaging at culinary schools and or if you're just starting in a kitchen somewhere is not is old fashioned and very much like you know a rock star sort of lifestyle and and even rock stars don't live like crazy rock star lifestyle anymore. So um, I think this is really inspirational for. I hope it can be inspirational for younger people getting into the business, knowing that if you're taking care of yourself, then you can better take care of other people. And if you're taking care of your body, you can do that for a longer period of time. The longevity rate for chefs is intense because I don't mean like your life, but I mean just your life in the business. Mm -hmm. is in, it's like being in the military for a long time. So you have to physically take care of yourself. You know, give yourself some goals like this. Some, yep. some kind of wild Well, <laughs> I'd love to get advice from all of you. How do we make this even more accessible, how do we scale it at ShareStrength? We're always thinking about how do we scale, mostly because we want to have more impact for the kids that we're trying to serve, and we, I think, have a, a great impact, but we still haven't reached all of them. So we have this almost imperative to make things bigger. Uh, with ChefCycle, I think we don't want to lose the, there's an intimacy to this that we wouldn't want to lose. But at the same time, I would love your advice on how do we attract more chefs? Jeff, how do we attract more riders? How do we attract, um, you know, what, what balance should we strive for uh, in this ride? Um, is three days, 300 miles the right way to think about it? Or is there a way to create a, a ride that might be accessible to others? I, don't know I mean, I think, I think the 300 mile one is great. Like, like you're saying, it's kind of your, sort of your masterpiece, right? Mm -hmm. But then it would be cool to do just 100 milers or 150 miles, um, at, you know, for a one day event in mm -hmm. different regions just to get. Just because not everybody has the luxury of taking this time you off. You have to take like a week off. Yeah. To come to and this it's event. a lot of investment in equipment too. So, you know, but if you if you did 100 or 150 miles, let's say, or a 50 mile one, whatever, and you could probably get a lot more cooks that probably have a bike sometimes, you know, they wouldn't, it wouldn't require them to, mm -hmm. more of like a tour, mm -hmm. you know. What were you going to say, Jeff? I was on a bus um, on the way up and sat next to a guy from Boston and he said, yeah, he got had gotten recruited by another guy from the area. He just said, you know, I looked at, um, I get free lodging, I get to eat by world-class chefs, I'm, you know, cycling in Napa Valley, and all these tour companies, these tours are like all signature rides. And I'm doing that, and, I, and I'm feeding kids. It's like the marketing from the perspective of the rides that you have put together here are, are huge. Again, they're tour companies, the amount of money you pay from a tour company to do the same rides that we're doing, uh -huh. but doing it for the right cause. And so I think um, from a, I think you've got the chef community, and then you have you know knuckleheads like me outside that want to be around the chefs, and that's a group that I think can be grown. You know, that's that's there are there are just so many cyclists, and again, the cycling community I think is a very giving, like PMS we talked about back in the Boston area. Like you know, they, people want to give, and you, you put those and the chefs in the same place, and usually good things happen. Well, you know, the whole fundamentally the whole idea behind share of strength is that everybody's got a strength yeah. to share and if you could tap into that and find a way to you know in our case in effect we monetize it right because we all have yeah. people who donate it to us and we're able to use all that money to feed kids and make sure kids get involved in school breakfast programs things like that so this notion of literally sharing your strength because this requires real strength right to go 300 miles to get up these hills mm -hmm. um, what else should we be doing best to attract well, just in terms of the share of strength, that was like one of my favorite things always about what you do is that everybody gives what they can and you figure out how to make money from it. 
<laughs> it's like, that is an amazing thing, is that uh, on, my, on our little bike team, I felt like uh, Liza was good at, at, like, looking at maps and forcing us to train. Dominica was good at, like, buying the gloves and the shoes and the, like, and my only good thing, which is, I think, the least valuable was the PR piece. Uh, I could get us all the radio interviews and all the, you know, but uh, everybody had something that they were good at that, that could come into play. Uh, the, my only thing, but would to expand the ridership among chefs, and I don't know that this is what you would ever want to do, is if some of the days had two options of the long and the short, because the commitment of three 100s sounds brutal, but it's also incredible because it's so hard, right? Like, when something's hard, it makes you all stronger together, mm. right? Um, so, but if you wanted more people involved, then I would say every day should have a 50 and a 100. So you could do either. So if the three days you only did 150, you'd have a lot more people say yes, because they wouldn't be so scared about the 300. Yeah, we're That's definitely intimidated like, some folks out of the ride. It's intimidating. Well, it's hard on your body, too. I mean, you've got all different age groups, too. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm positive I've already torn some muscle on my left side <laughs> but I'm still gonna do it but you know some people are like that's they don't want to do that I, I don't think we should minimize the grand scale of this though I mean the reason why we're here and the reason why most of the people are here is because this is an incredible sacrifice and people it's so much more meaningful than going to raise money, right? I am going to give of myself. I am going to put my body on the line. I'm going to do something that I never thought I could do before. And I wouldn't want to, like, minimize that brand promise. But I think, like, all great, you know, movies or TV shows or books, there could be spinoffs. Keep this. Yeah. Keep this. And do other stuff around it in other venues. I think that was already suggested. I think that makes the most sense because you don't want to take away from what's happening here. I've talked with people who've said this is like life changing. I mean, we talked about chefs, but a guy I was riding with today, he did this his second time. The first time he did it two years ago, he weighed 270 pounds and he's like 5'6". And now he's down to 200. He's changed his diet. These are things that we've all talked about. He exercises regularly. He's taking care of himself. This is a life-changing thing for people. And we don't want to make it a fun weekend. <laughs> we want yeah, to make it a life-changing event. So you think, event. like, also, if you... Let's just say it was such a new thing for people and they could raise still raise money for, you know, all mm -hmm. the hungry kids. That's really... This is a critical thing going on in our country. And, I mean, we, there's a lot of ways to sort of attack this. But this is a... Again, like the sacrifice that you're making by, you know, doing this really challenging ride is great. But also if you were just kind of starting and you could raise, you know, $2,500 and you thought, okay, well, I can ride 150 miles. And then, but then you, I think you would see the, the 300 milers and be like, God, I want to do that next. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's kind of like you could do it in steps that way. You know, there have always been two kind of schools of thought about philanthropy. One is that you should make things as easy as possible for people to contribute, right? Make it absolutely one-click, easy. Um, but then there's another school of thought that said that there's at least a subset of people who don't want to do what's easy. They want to do what's hard. They want to be challenged. They want to sacrifice. And so we're obviously trying to have it both ways at Jarrah Strength. We have, you know, different platforms for 
people to engagement. This is clearly one that's for people who are, you know, willing to do something hard. But I think it does, you know, it, it also, because you have to train for it, it connects people to the organization for a longer way. Like if you, you know, came to one of our events or cooked at one of our events, we'd be very grateful. And you, you've been asked to do that a million times for charitable activities. Uh, but it was a, it was one night out of your life as opposed to you've got to spend some number of weeks or months training for this so you start to feel a little bit more bonded to, to the organization, which is pretty valuable. And to Did each you, other. Yeah. Like, I mean, and to each other. Yeah. Did any of you get the sheriff's, I mean, sorry, the chef cycle pause, which is you explain to them what the, the ride is and you say 300, you know, 300 miles over three days, 15,000 to climbing and there's this pause. <laughs> so, <laughs> doesn't matter if they're an avid cyclist or not. I mean, it's just a it's a it's a big three days, and yeah. people are impressed with that. And I think that helps in the yeah. I'll, I'll give money to that because if you're going to put yourself to it and train, and you, you do have to train for it. I mean, you can train at different levels because it's going to be challenging, but it's pretty impressive. My sister thinks there should be a chef cycle diet book, right? The chef cycle diet because, like, you know, we've all talked to people yeah, who have gotten yeah. a lot healthier. Through this, it might not just be purely food related. It might yeah. be just kind of like a guide to, you know. But it would be great to have um, chefs who are particularly um, wise or experienced on fitness issues, right? Think about or maybe it's more of like a high performance, right? The chef's like a high performance uh, diet. Hmm. Um, so I don't know, that could yeah. be that could be another spinoff for us to think about. I think there should be at every event a gathering of what people learned because you're out there alone, you're in your head. And I, you know, I personally, you know, like had like life lessons, you know, that I picked up on the road. I bet everybody did, you know, you're doing this incredibly strenuous thing. You're with people, you're alone, you're contemplative on the bike. And I bet we could gather some amazing thoughts and ideas from people and make that a book. Well, yesterday you mentioned something about writing by yourself for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. Sitting in Orange, Jersey. Well, so I was, uh, I was in the vineyard stretch, so beautiful vineyards left and right, level road so I could see forever, and I am alone. I am so alone. And I'm on the road, and now it's, yeah, I forget exactly what the mile marker was, but, you know, definitely 60, 70 miles in. And... It, it was just like a little depressing <laughs> and am I going to make it and oh my God, I'm not <laughs> doing this well. And then I looked ahead and I saw this little orange light and you know, we're all wearing orange jerseys, all the riders. And as I looked so far ahead to this person who was ahead of me, I was like, I'm not alone. I saw this little glow of light. I'm like, I can do this. I can follow this person. And the other thing I took away from that was there's somebody behind me, right? And we can serve as a, sor a source of inspiration. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, I really admired that person in front of me. And uh, no matter how hard you're working, no matter how all alone you feel, no matter how tough the task is, know that, like, the work that you're putting in, your work, your service, your family... You know, you're, there's somebody way back behind you who can see that and who could be inspired by it and want to participate with you on that long, long ride. Amen. Do I hear an amen? <laughs> I like that, um, that I usually do a lot of charity events. I, I mean, I really like cooking for 
you know, I'm not, I can't write a check for people, um, but I can do like an auction item or do a charity event and, you know, other people who, you know, in finance or doctors will write checks for that, for those events or for those charities. But I love telling people this time I'm not cooking for this one. I'm actually just riding hmm. 300 miles on a bike. And, um, and I, at one point I thought in my fundraising, uh, I'm going to have to also sell a dinner which would mean I'd be cooking and writing, which seems like that's a lot, okay? Right. It's a big ask for me. Um, and I ended up, I, I was really happy with the Facebook tool on the on the website and uh, and because of my Instagram posting and stuff that so many people responded to the fact that I was just writing for Chef Cycle. And they, they I said, any you know, anything helps. And I, I got, I'm like over the goal and People are still contributing to, you know, I need to post some stuff today, but I didn't take any pictures in the rain. My phone died. My watch died. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take a picture of, the, of just the Sounds like a wet country clothes. western song. <laughs> 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 but I mean, that's pretty cool that people are just like, okay, you go get it, chef. And I've got, like, so many people texting me and messaging me um, saying, like, how's it going, chef? You have what, you know, how to go? And. Like, that's just the question. Because the cooking part, like, I've already got that fan club, but the, the, you know, the cycling in me is just coming out. I would like to point out that by the time this podcast airs, the chef cycle would have been over about a week, but the fundraising hasn't stopped. Yes, thank you. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, you can follow your favorite chefs, you can follow Billy, and you have an opportunity to still participate and raise money to feed hungry kids. You know, I've been surprised. I mean, it's kind of what you were saying, Chef. How much people really do want to give. So I have a list that I sent a letter out to about a month ago. Um, and I got a certain number of contributors. And then I sent one out again Monday to the same list. I del- deleted the people who had already given. Right? But I sent it out to, you know, another, the, the same thousand people a second time. And about 30 or 40 of them gave and it was uh, and made me realize it's not like they didn't want to give but like a lot of us they had too many things in their inbox and they missed one of the emails and you know they were actually really excited about it and you know we just gotta it's actually kind of creating an opportunity for people to make a difference in a way that they get really i think excited about so um okay so before we close uh, who's riding chef cycle next year Start with you, Jeff. I'm in. Okay, Jeff? I'm in because I've got to ride 300 miles, and today didn't count. Okay, we were a little short. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you have to come back. Okay. Dusky, I know you're right. Uh, of course. <laughs> Your bike has another 35 years. <laughs> I know. I'm good. I got this. Yeah. Woody? Can't stop me. Okay. Well, Billy. Right. Woody, how about you? Oh, well. You're on the air. Make a commitment. I've told you this before. I go to bed every night in Chef Cycle saying I'm not riding tomorrow. I did my thing today. I don't have to do it again tomorrow. I wake up thinking, like, oh, no, maybe I'll ride. So I haven't missed one yet. I probably will keep going. I'm going to ask each of the chefs to tell us uh, what we should eat tonight so that we're strong for tomorrow's ride. Any advice? Listen, I've been eating so much because everybody yesterday was like, you got to eat for the next couple of days. So I, like, ate so much. <laughs> more than I normally do. I have to tell you, for me, I just went to try to have ramen and I couldn't even hold the spoon. <laughs> I was like shaking. <laughs> it was like ridiculous. I was losing all the broth, no noodles. Like, I, it was kind of pathetic. Um, and so for me, what I've been living off of is, is those chews. <laughs> those block chews. Oh, yeah, it's like so all good. candy, yeah. but it's delicious. I'm also 
Well, well all the food that everybody's um, made for us has been great, but especially the pizza guys. Because yesterday on my ride, I was like, I smelled a wood-burning oven somewhere yeah, along the ride, oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, man, I could go for pizza later. And all of a sudden, there was the guys like loading the oven with little Neapolitan pizzas, and I'm like... Yes. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I think I came in too you late. You know, for when that. you get in too late, you miss <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> you and I both, right? Uh, what are you going to close out with a few bars of our new theme song? Oh, you kidding me? Okay. So, anyways, trying to, against again, all alone on the road, trying to like keep myself going. This thought came in my head, and so it was something like this. Uh, no kid hungry, no kid hungry, no kid hungry in the USA. No kid hungry, no kid hungry, no kid hungry starts here today. Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a very, very good idea? Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a very, very good idea? Sing with me now. And I will ride 300 miles, and I will ride 300 more to no good hungry is the It's a first for this podcast. You've been listening to Woody. Alas. Oh, my God. You're beautiful. (laughs) I can hear you just in your head singing that while you're pedaling. Yes, I was. No, I'm singing it out loud. It helped with the brain. That's why nobody was around here. Uh, I want to thank Jeff Johnson. <laughs> Thanks for being so committed to Share Our Strength. Thanks for being on this podcast. You're, you're a great friend and champion. Uh, Elizabeth it. Faulkner, thanks for doing this. Thanks for saying you're going to write again next year. I love hearing that. Absolutely. Uh, can't wait to read your memoir. When did you say it's coming out? You're working on oh, yeah. the details? I'll but... let you know. Okay. Citizen Chef. Someday soon. Okay. Uh, Dusky Essie, it's great to be back with you, as you said. We have come full circle. Uh, and Woody, thanks for producing the podcast, as always. Thank you. Writing. On behalf of the team at Share Our Strength, my sister Debbie Shore, who often gets to uh, co-anchor this with me, Kelly Griffin, uh, and the whole gang at Share Our Strength, uh, thanks for listening to Ad Passion and Stir. I'm Billy Shore. Ad Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Ad Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull.